One, two, three, go. Roll. All right, do it. The Listing Lead Show. So, Steve, we want to start this podcast off right and just get right to the point. What are you doing to get listings? You're one of the top agents in Sacramento. How do you get homeowners to call you in a low inventory market to list their home? Let's talk about some of your lead sources, maybe some of your value propositions and the messaging. We can talk about some of the conversion of how you overcome some common objections you get on the listing appointments. Let's start with your top sources of listings. Why don't you run them down for us? Our number one source is going to be um, all, all sources of referrals. I am lump you know, past client repeat and agent referrals and like referral sources like Dave Ramsey and Homelight all together. Um, so referral is, is number one, 50% of, of our, of our listings come from that. Uh, another 25% come from prospecting based efforts, which would be uh, outbound cold calling, nurture, long-term follow-up, and I'm an adamant follower of, of generating seller nurtures that are 12 to 24 months out and then following up with those leads to build a relationship and dripping value propositions to them. And then the other 25% are what I would call marketing efforts between you know, radio, direct mail, uh, and digital ads. Got it. I have Keep so many simple. questions for you, Steve. Oh, we have so many. So here's what I got so far. 50% of your business. And by the way, how many homes did you sell, Esther? 135. How many of those were listings? Uh, 90. And so 45 listing deals came from referral sources like Dave Ramsey, Homelight, Agent Referrals, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I would say 11, and bear with me, I didn't look at these numbers beforehand, but 11 of them were Agent Referrals, Agent to Agent, and then 30 or let's call it 25 to 30 were past client or sphere based referrals. And then four or five from Homelight and Dave Ramsey, things like that. I feel like we should give the audience a little context about Steve's career to date. So Steve, you were formerly on the Tom Dave's team as his uh, lead listing agent and tell the audience, how many homes were you selling per year for Tom Dave's as a lead listing agent? I would say I would average about 300 listing appointments a year. And so we were, it was kind of tapped out at 250 to 350 appointments and then 100, 125, 150 closings. So, you know, it's about 35 to 40 listing appointments per month, something like that. So we, we did that for about four years. And so your sphere is a result of the, multiple years you were on the Tom Dave's team selling oh, yeah. 100, 100 plus homes every year. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. seven, you know, I spent two years in the business before joining Tom. So I had probably a thousand people in a database before then, but yeah, most definitely it was a, you know, seven year career before we, we uh, uh, started Elevate Realty Group. Right. Yeah. So you had to switch basically rebuild many of your systems from scratch, but you still kept all the habits in place from what you were doing previously to relaunch on your own. Absolutely. Um, let me kind of go through these four lead sources for everyone here today. So referrals and sphere by is half of the business just by staying in touch with the close knit database. How many people would you say are in your tight, you know, actual past client and sphere real database? 
Yeah. And I, I would say that is the one thing that w- was, I was granted the opportunity to start from zero. I mean, it, and it was totally rebuilt because I had zero, I, I wasn't planning that move. Right. So um, we rebuilt from scratch and I started with the database first. So I broke the database into segments and, and of course, like the MREA, Maynard real estate agent, I, I broke it down into my Mets and my not Mets. So I have some more, I'm at that 1200 number in my Met database. And even that is broken down into past clients. So there's about a thousand past clients somewhere, somewhere in that range, wow. 900 to a thousand between all of our agents and mine. And then we group that into three different groups. Group C is someone who we, we helped, but never spoke to again for whatever reason. Group B is someone who had a good experience and probably would pick up the phone for us. Group A is someone who had a great experience and is highly likely to refer. And then raving fan, which is probably 100, 100 to 150 of those at this point are people who have referred us and will refer us again. And so we, we group that sphere database into like four different groups. How does a high driving individual like yourself sit down with the sheer pain that it takes to organize your relationships that way? get that done, let alone I heard a clue in there that you also have the agents on your team do the same thing. It was um, I, what I felt like I had to do to succeed. You know, I, I, we're, it wasn't, you know, to give some frame of reference, right? Like I wasn't, uh, I didn't choose to launch my own team, right? It was more of a, um, a decision that was made to change uh, directions with a business that we we had built for like four or five years, right? And I just didn't align with that decision. And um, uh, my, you know, Tom and I had shaken hands and said, "Hey, I'm going to go this way. You go that way." And uh, um, we broke away uh, friends, right? And and um, so I didn't make that decision. And so I just basically had to buckle down and said, "Here's what it takes to succeed." And I knew that honestly, that database, you know, your your database is your business. And I, I witnessed a lot of, of uh, challenges and mistakes in a big organization selling four or 500 homes where the database wasn't monitored. It wasn't segmented. We didn't know what was in it, honestly. And we didn't pull everything we could out of it, but we sure spent a lot of money filling it, right? So my number one goal when it came to building Elevate Realty Group was to build a tech empowered team leveraging like really high level database management and automation. So the first step that I, I, that I personally did was I just built, took the CSV and started segmenting and categorizing it and calling every single person I'd ever, ever come in contact with and started um, putting them in categories, right? Hot nurture watch. Steve, you have, you have no fear. No. (laughs) Well, I've been on like 10,000 listing appointments, you know, so, um, you know, know. something, something Steve brought up that I think is, I hope something is something people pay attention to is, you know, to get to a point in your career where you've got 35 to 40 deals a year coming in from past clients on the listing side, you have to have helped a lot of people like your past client database has to be pretty big. Um, and so, you know, one of the best ways to accelerate your database is obviously throwing fuel on the fire, you know, p- 
top of funnel, putting leads in it and then working those leads and, you know, at the bottom of the, the tiny little piece at the bottom of the funnel is where you get your closings and then they become past clients. And, um, so anyways, I, um, man, I've, I have to commend you, Steve, because like, I mean, you know, if you kind of, like, if I just kind of think about you and your career and where you're at, like you did everything the right way, which is, you know, you got into the industry and, you know, with, I guess, was it your second year joined Tom, Tom, you know, has been in the industry for, you know, 60 almost years. as long, yeah. as long, like long time. literally long, probably as long as you and I have both been alive and longer. Yep. And he's an amazing, Tom's an amazing guy, an amazing human being runs a great business in Sacramento. And, um, you know, and if my understanding is he, you know, decided he wanted to, you know, shut the team down for the most part. Pretty um, much. And, yeah. And so, you know, that kind of forced you in a position, but like in the grand scheme of things, like it seems like a big blessing in disguise because it put you in a position where you were uncomfortable and you had to build something on your own. And you were also at that point in your career where you had developed subject matter expertise. And, you know, the, the title of this show is the listing lead show and generating leads is, is one per part of the equation, but the other part is, you know, getting them, um, getting them closed. And there's, there's three overarching skills you have to develop as a salesperson. And, you know, for a lot of agents out there, they, you know, they, they're like, yeah, I'm a great salesperson and they go and close, you know, 15, 20, 25 deals a year, but they're all referral type past client, like slam dunk type of, um, you know, leads and, you know, and they have modest careers, but to have like a really wildly successful career and to really build something that's going to generate generational wealth, you have to learn how to cross the bridge and get people committed to working with you that have no idea who you are. Mm -hmm. And you can't really start, you know, you shouldn't start a team until you've mastered these three skills of being a good salesperson to get people committed to working with you that have no idea who you are. And so anyways, my point is, is like, um, you know, just, uh, I guess from my perspective, from a distance, it's, um, very commendable what you've done because you were very patient developing those skills of inside sales, best practices of inside sales, i.e. managing your database, recording leads correctly, follow-up, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, that second domino of outside sales, like what to say when you meet somebody, like, you know, how to, how to, how to get them to agree on the price, the listing price, for example, that whole process when you meet someone face-to-face. And then finally, the subject matter expertise being a market expert, right? And so you're really, you know, patient, um, you know, seven years, right? Like developing all these skills. And uh, yeah, it just seems like a huge blessing in disguise for you because I mean, you're going to grow like a rocket ship and there's not a doubt in my mind, you know, you're going to exceed the number, the number of homes Tom Daves was selling um, because of, you know, your patience and uh, willingness to commit to the process of, you know, being a master of your craft. Yeah. Steve's at an inflection point. Uh, we just had a discussion before this podcast recording that uh, his cell number was on all the marketing. So all of these leads and everyone was coming into the cell number. And one of the things you have to do to grow at some point is to port that probably into some type of call routing software. So it can go to the right people on the team where you're not the bottleneck with all the communication. If we have time here, we'll, we'll go back into that. But Steve, I want to ask you, thanks for those, uh, that insight, Chris. Steve, I'll go back to referrals and sphere real quick. You have it segmented. 
you put it all together, it took a lot of time. Give us a brief overview of what you send out. And then I want to move on to what you're doing for your seller nurtures, because that's interesting too. Yeah. Um, it took about six months to clear the database and really, I called every single person. Like, you know, there's thousands of people. And, um, you know, what we send to them very early on, and this is not a plug, f- you know, for you, but um, was when I, I had hired you guys at Viral um, to, to send, because I knew I didn't have time. You know, at that time, I had transitioned with like 20 active listings at that time. And so I was managing 20 active listings, re, you know, rebuilding a database, building out all the tech, and I didn't have any admin or agents at that time. So, you know, I, I needed to get something out there fast. And so I was shooting videos twice a month. And I, uh, I first started really looking into uh, business automation at that time. And the key for me was building out those long-term follow-up plans based on seller, you know, seller within a year, seller after a year, mm-hmm. uh, source specific. So I started building automation with text, email campaigns, and task-based follow-up. And so, you know, fast forward to today, I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of automated plans that are uh, custom and specific based on their time period. So, you know, I was on a mission to simplify lead follow-up and we can get into like transaction management too. We automated a lot of that. So, you know, my, what we send to them is, is one text. If it's a seller, if it's a seller, they're going to get a text and two emails per month. And hopefully if we have enough time, we're going to call them once per month too, depending on their time period. If they're two years out, we're going to call them every other month, but they're going to get at least one text message from our system and then two emails, video educational emails uh, per month. And we started adding in mail to that component later on. That's great. Yeah. So let's move on to seller. uh, uh, On the the automation side, how are you making sure that the the messaging to the customer, to your database is authentic and does not feel canned? Yes. Um, And I'm sure we could improve on this, Chris, and we're constantly retweaking it. But those, those messages aren't like spammy. Most of the time, the messages are designed to just stimulate someone to text back so we can pick up the conversation. And it allows us to, um, as agents, manage instead of 100 leads, I can manage 500 leads because I, I have the bandwidth of automation. So a lot of times it might just be a text that says, hey, it's Steve, just checking in. How are you doing? Has anything changed? Right? It has nothing to do with like, are you considering selling your home? Right. Another text we threw in there that's been very beneficial is, hey, you know, inventory is really low. Do you happen to know of any neighbors that are getting their house ready to sell? I know you're not ready yet. Right. We get text messages back to that constantly um, and referrals for neighbors that are considering selling. And then, of course, um, we like to throw refinance ones in there for the seller leads too. Like, have you have you thought about refinancing? We have a zero fee loan option. Things that aren't really related to ask, like a call to action for them personally to, to sell. And then we'll drip videos and stuff in there too. So we, we really try to keep it just based around check-ins versus are you considering selling now? Does that make sense? Sure. That is- People, people watching, people listening to this right now are probably wondering 
what CRM is Steve using to manage all this automation? They all can do it. And, and we chose uh, Brivity and Brivity has its uh, own challenges. It's not the sexiest sales system, but was, what was important to me was that my leads could flow into transactions within the same system. You know, in our big team, we had a whiteboard for our transaction management. And as an agent, I had no clue what was going on because it wasn't scalable. It also wasn't like technology-based. So I didn't know what was going on on the transaction unless I checked in with my listing manager physically or called her, right? So having one place where a lead could turn into a transaction and then also turn back into a database um, sphere was important to me without having to duplicate data entry, right? We we had an employee that just did data entry. And I know there's technology. You paid RealSync, right? You paid them to do a custom integration between Brivity and... and structurally. Structurally, yeah. Yep, I, I, I have, yes. And um, now that there's, there's companies like RealSync, I've been looking at possibly moving off of Brivity to a better sales platform, but the thought of it is just daunting. But the key was that I wanted everything in one spot. So I didn't have to think about moving to another platform and our whole team is in sync. And there's, as a business owner, there's a lot of clarity. I know that system better than anyone, right? And I think as team leaders, it's tough because if you don't know that system, you can't hold it accountable. Well, I had to go and build it myself. So I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, working these technolo technology systems and um, I can hold it accountable and I know how to work it and what's in it and, and also how our agents are to use it. I would, I, I feel like I have to tell people that are listening to this, just my opinion on technology, which is at the end of the day, like these CRMs are, you know, like becoming a commodity. Like they're all the same, you know, like they, for the most part have 80% of the same functionality. And so, you know, I think it's important, Frank, anybody listening to this, they know like your CRM is not preventing you from being successful. Like you're not going to dramatically grow your business by changing CRMs. Like there's definitely a philosophy from a technology perspective that I would call best practice, um, which is what Steve was alluding to. But um, anyways, uh, seeing as this is our first episode, Frank, I think it's important. Anybody that's listening knows we are, we are not financially committed to backing any CRM. No, <laughs> and, uh, there are no and, paid sponsors yet, but we yeah. will be accepting some. <laughs> <laughs> so as of right now, we will, we will talk positively and negatively there, you know, uh, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. I think that's a good point though, because it, you know, I, um, gosh, Jeff Cohen says it a lot where, you know, I think people oftentimes mix CRM with uh, leads, internet leads. I looked at the CRM, like we had Boomtown and that's what I looked at it as like it, PPC leads came into our CRM. But once I made that mindset shift and I started following up with my actual database from that CRM and used it as, as scale for communication, that was a game changer. And going back to listing leads and how to get them from your database, um, we've built out full-blown automation for all of our past clients. So when it actually closes, there's 33 touches from the point it closes in that first year. And we, we built 
like recurring touches on their birthday and 12 holidays that remain the same day every year because a lot of holiday days will change based on the year it's in. So we took all the recurring holidays and built text messages from that phone number from me or whatever agent is on our team. Hey, happy, happy Valentine's Day. Happy or Merry Christmas, right? Just checking in with you. Let me ask you a question about the direct mail piece you mentioned earlier, sending direct mail to your past Mm -hmm. client database. So do you have any concern about the agents that close that client and then leave your team and join someone else and you wasting money on a, on a lead that may not necessarily, you know, you won't, you know, you may not necessarily be able to maintain that relationship. I might when I'm like your size, you know, but I, and I, you know, um, having been on a team, I, I am, I am 100% confident that, you know, our agents will come and go. And the goal is try to service the client with your brand as best you can, but that relationship probably will go with them. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would continue to mail to everyone who we've serviced that I have an address for. Honestly, man, if you look at your mailbox, the junk mail continues to just wean down. So the the mailbox is actually not noisy anymore. And I can't tell you how many clients when we're calling just to check in, they say, oh, I got your vendor list in the mail. Thank you so much for that, right? Or we try to mail items of value, like not just, hey, here's a picture of our team. We sell real estate. It's like um, in the springtime, we mail a vendor, uh, our updated vendor list and a, and a coupon for a discount, you know, and, and really try to uh, mail them things of value. Frank, what is your opinion on this? Because this is a very controversial subject for teams. Should they continue marketing uh, through traditional media, I like direct mail, for example, to past clients that they didn't service one of their agents serviced? Um, what's your opinion on that? First, that needs to be very clearly defined at the independent contract agreement of what happens when they leave, of what happens in that list. Mm-hmm. I mean, that needs to be very well defined. And so, so let's say, let's say your contractor agreement says yeah. that any closed clients of yours that I generated for you are going to stay with the company. And if you ever close these clients in the future, you owe us a referral fee. So let's say hypothetically, your position agreement says that, could you really expect as a business owner to go audit everybody that, um, you know, has worked with you? to validate if they're closing past clients. Well, there, therein lies the challenge of a referral agreement is yeah. hunting down the money and policing it. And yep. the people that do have these referral agreements have entire pipeline teams. You know, there's, there's software out there. I don't have any specific out there, but like when you would take the addresses, ideally in an ideal world, you'd have the property addresses of all these individuals. It's and you not realistic. Them. It's not realistic, but in an ideal world, you would. Yeah. You would load it in some type of software that notified yeah. you when it sells. So knowing, <laughs> so, so, no, so knowing these things, one, you're not going to be able to audit and follow up with it to make sure you get paid because it just doesn't make sense financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, knowing that the agent probably maintains that relationship after they close the deal. Like, would you direct mail them, Frank? I don't know. I would have to ask people who have a really good Adopt-a-Buyer program. I would want to see people with a, with a success on that. Yes, Steve. Well, I was just going to jump in on that. Um, And, and there's probably some waste there, a lot more waste than the clients, of course, that know you like and trust you. But I would say if, if you're running a good database um, connection plan, like you're doing events for the, for that database, you're doing giveaways for that database, you're staying connected with your brand. um, 
you know, even if you got 50% of those agents, clients, remember the attrition rate is so high that half of those agents, if they leave, are not, are not even going to be in the business five years from there. So I don't want to miss that opportunity, you, you know, but yes, you know, if that agent is good and on top of the relationship, they're probably going to get business from them, right? I mean, you bring, you bring up another point that challenges the idea of spending a lot of money on past client follow-up, which is, you know, past client follow-ups, their frequency of transacting is very low. And so the benefit of, you know, advertising to them would be to get referrals. And if they've never met you, the team owner, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I would say yes, but you know, I am always surprised by that when I have an ISA call our database who our database doesn't know, but then gets referrals from those clients that, I mean, just this year, we had two deals closed from an agent that left our team that had past clients in his database that we called that gave us referrals for someone that they knew, right? So I think it's about the touch and the effort of connecting. I don't think that they build this really tight-knit relationship, especially on our team, because pretty much all of the leads are generated by our team for our agents. These are not like their sphere contacts. So I think if you're running a business like yours, that's very like, um, high leverage real estate team versus a collection of agents and their spheres, we have a much better opportunity to keep those deals in our world, if that makes sense, because we generated the relationship in the first place. So They're just a servicer of art. So two things, like two things is one, let's say, for example, you do a split test, sending uh, 100 pieces of mail to 100 contacts in your database, and then you send 100 pieces of mail to a hundred random homes in a neighborhood where there's decent turnover. And then you call the hundred random numbers in the neighborhood and then call the people in your database. Would it produce the same results? You know what? Probably not. And um, if I wish I had more bandwidth to, to actually hone in on that, honestly. Like, yeah, you're asking questions, Chris, that require a lot of thinking. This is a good question, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I can't wait to like, I'm just targeted on how can I generate better quality leads and, yeah. and split test everything. Cause that's probably a you great know, my, question. My, so the, probably the master of direct mail marketer is a guy named Kenny Kloss mm-hmm. and across the U S he's probably one of him and uh, Daniel beer in San Diego. There's a few other people that, you know, do a lot of direct mail and are very successful at it. And everybody I have talked to that does direct mail, the ones that get these like really high conversion rates and like an amazing return on their money, every single one of them is calling the people that are in a neighborhood where they're direct mailing. And it's the, it's the one-two punch of the direct mail and then the phone call that helps improve their conversion rates and generates additional referrals. And so like I, I have this you know, something that's just been looming in the back of my mind is like, you know, your database, uh, you know, a hundred, you know, past clients mailing them versus mailing a hundred random people. I'd be willing to bet, bet you'd be splitting hairs when you compared those conversion rates, because it's just a function of you staying in front of them. And ultimately the phone call that is, you know, creating a reason for the call and uh, generating you know, either an, opp- an immediate opportunity on their house or a referral. 
Well, the phone call, I want to jump in here. I want to move on. So we spent some good time here on referrals and sphere, Steve. I think the audience has a pretty good idea of like what it takes to put the database together. But to piggyback on the question you asked, Chris, I want to talk about your seller nurtures. These are the phone calls. These are the calls, whether you call your database or you call a geographic farm. Uh, let's move on to your other pillar, you know, because we'll talk about how you get listings. So obviously a wonderful methodical touch plan for your database that's well segmented of existing relationships. Clearly. You're a freak, Steve. Yeah. I mean, there's no secret to your success there. Well, let's add another pillar onto that. He's a freak because um, nobody else does this to no his one else level does that. discipline. Not that, not that level. That's pretty good discipline, Steve. I mean, let alone I said earlier to sit down and actually like segment out your list like that of relationships was my very first you know, question I asked you. You know the you know the only other person I know that have, that has done this, hmm. Tim Heil. Yep, it's two of the top people in the country. So you're about to ask this question, and and he's going to be the person I reference when you ask this question. So great. So here's the question. So you're doing circle prospecting, which Mm -hmm. is basically calling the yellow pages around a house you sold for the most part. All right. And you're investing money in callers that doesn't pay off for like two years. Because when you do straight up cold calling, you're not getting someone says, oh, it's so funny you called. Why don't you run over here and list my house? (laughs) Yeah. You don't get that. It's like a joke, right? Right. You get, you get, yeah, you know, I guess I'm thinking about it. I'm super top of funnel and you get a nurture. And the goal is if you're lucky, you know, depending upon answer rates and the areas you're calling, you might get a couple a day, hopefully one <laughs> really good one. Right. What depending is, upon how tight I, your criteria is. Steve, I'm just dying for you to tell us what are the KPIs, dials, conversations, <laughs> how many nurtures get created and then how many nurtures do you have to create over the course of two years to close a deal? Yeah. So I should know the KPIs a little bit better, um, and they actually have not. They've steadily been declining, right? So that was why I started adding marketing into our mix, because the the KPIs on cold calling, just blind cold calling, pulling a list from coal, and then uploading it to Mojo, um, the the answer rate is way down compared to what it used to be. We, we used to average 15 18%. Now you're lucky if you hit 10 right on a good list because of the iPhone correction and and blocking mechanisms for cell phones. But on average, if they make 100 phone calls, they're going to talk to seven to 10 people, 7% to 10% on average. And the callers, you know, our ISAs, these are virtual assistants, will average around 800 dials per day. That nets on average around two nurtures in an 800 dial call session. Again, it, it depends on the neighborhood. It depends on, you know, a bunch of different factors. And honestly, we, I've, I've played around with getting them, you know, um, likely to sell lists from those companies like offers. And the more I talk to the company who services this, they, they tell me, Hey, you're better off just loading up the dialer for these guys and having them bang away. But the, once you get the nurtures on average, from the length of time you get that nurture to the time it actually turns into an appointment is around 12 months. And I've noticed that it doesn't matter where you get a lead, a seller lead, the conversion of the point at which you get it to the point at which it's ready for an appointment to sell is about six months anyways. So you're needing to follow up for a long period of time, regardless of where they are in the funnel. Um, So on those 12 month follow-ups, we convert about 10%. So Year one, 
I think I closed three or four. I, I started up right away, right when I launched the team. I figured I would invest. It was about $25,000 over that year. I knew I was going to burn it to, to make sure I could take listings year two. So year two, we closed somewhere around, I think it was like 19 transactions. Um, and, and it was 130, 140,000 uh, GCI. And this year, we're tracking to close 30, 35 units from the circle prospecting efforts. And we have two ISAs generating about, you know, somewhere between last year, I think we had 400, 500 nurtures total. Where are your callers based out of? Those, those numbers are pain, painful to hear, Steve. I know, but it only costs $1,500 per month, you know, so... If, I'm not saying the ROI is not bad, but like that's a tough thing to scale. And then the other, you know, the other thing I'd ask you and something you brought up is, and I think anybody in real estate is noticing this about contact rates, contact rates are dropping. We went from an 8% contact rate down to 4% across wow. all of our groups. And we're changing the caller IDs every 30 days. And it just seems like, you know, we're moving to a, a culture in the U.S. to where consumers have to opt in you know, in order for you to get them to communicate with you mm -hmm. and outbound prospecting is dying. I mean, it's slowly dying. I would say that it, that it is for sure. And, and that's why we're adding other legs, but yet I still continue to get great leads and close uh, deals from outbound prospecting efforts. So, you know, I didn't want to turn it off, but I would not, if I was an agent today, starting over, um, it's the first place I would start to go find listings, honestly, and I think that you have to be omnipresent, right? You, if you're, I would, I would select one zip code and then knock in that zip code and leverage other people's listings in that zip code. You, you need to make your face known. Thankfully now in year three, we have brand recognition and people have heard of us before, right? So I'm kind of coupling it with all of our other marketing that we do hey, you might've heard us on the radio, right? Or we, we got a great listing on the market and inventory so low that, you know, those circle prospecting efforts are generating great quality leads still to this day. But I definitely wouldn't build, I'm not looking at it as like the leg that we're gonna build our company on like Tim Heil did, right? Because I don't think the, the scalability is there. Plus you have to remember, someone has to follow up with that lead. And honestly, the conversion is high because I'm doing that. But the second I transfer that to someone else, like an ISA that's making 15 bucks an hour, they're not going to do it as good as me, right? So it's a long-term follow-up game, but we have thousands of seller nurtures that are going to continue to convert somewhere around 10 to 15% every year, I think, as long as we can continue to feed it. Are you doing any IP targeting to these addresses using Google Display Network, social media, et cetera? Yes. yes. That's the next pillar. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that now. So let's yep. transition. So, okay. so far we've talked about listing leads, database, sphere. Then we transitioned to uh, hiring some outbound prospectors in the Philippines to make circle prospecting calls, essentially asking people if they want to sell a home and if they want an offer on their home. Okay. Yep. And those are put into a lead form, if that is the case, I would assume, and going into your database or follow-up with probably great follow-up systems that we talked about in the first part of the interview. Yep. Mail, follow-up yep. text, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. So the third pillar, um, this was discussed before the podcast, was uh, instant offer leads. And it's, it's interesting how you wrote down instant offer leads, not home value leads or uh, search for homes leads, mm -hmm. 
you know, instant offer leads and you drive these with pay-per-click campaigns on AdWords and Facebook campaigns. And a lot of these people don't necessarily want the instant offer. You have a way to convert them to show them the benefits of a traditional listing price. Why don't you talk about the PPC and Facebook campaigns, maybe some of the display network online advertising of how the leads come in that way for you for listings. Okay. Like we probably spend six grand, six to 7,000 a month on, on internet ads in general between uh, buyer PPC and seller PPC and Facebook. So I'll, I'll break it into two different groups, like the pay-per-click for seller specific. That's a third party. I actually got this from Chris from his podcast, like two and a half years ago, Z buyer. And I crushed those leads. Now I don't recommend everyone go sign up for them because you have to be a beast on the phone uh, to convert them. Right. And you need to be in a position where you can buy those homes legit. Cause if you can't, uh, you're likely to lose to me. Right. So they, they get sent out to five different agents at once and the consumer shuts down day one, if you don't get them on the phone. Um, and then we do do our own uh, pay-per-click ads, instant offer campaigns. Those leads are very expensive. They run like a hundred bucks a lead. Um, if you're targeting seller specific in our market, we have uh, open door in Zillow. So the pay-per-click keywords are very expensive when you type sell your home cash offer and a bunch of other investors and wholesalers competing on it. Um, on, on Facebook, we've had great results and I break it into two categories. Again, I, I'm doing all of this. This is my job. So the two categories are like retargeting our database like displaying call to actions to people we already have information for. So you can get around Facebook's algorithm of like special ad categories if you upload audiences. So we export our database every, every two weeks and upload it into Facebook and run our UVPs back to our database. It's kind of like a, you know, Define a unique, UVP. Uh, unique value propositions like, you know, instant offer, you know, Go through those really quick. What are the messages you're putting out online? Break those okay. down. And, and this goes back to all those listing appointments I went on, you know, thousands and thousands of them. We started getting a lot of pressure on, on commission like four or five years ago. And, and I felt like we needed to increase the service level to maintain a decent commission, two and a half to three, right? So uh, we came up with three different options. And I, like the real unique value proposition is options. Like we will provide you options. Unlike, you know, Bob and Sue real estate agent next door, I can buy your house and give you an offer or give you multiple offers um, at the kitchen table. It's going to be an expensive route, but you get to select when you move. I'll let you stay after closing and you can go and buy your next house. Option number two is what we call our concierge program or renovate now pay later. So I'll pay up to $20,000 in repairs and renovate the house. But the caveat is I have, I want to control and manage it and pick everything and control the contractor. And, and I don't want the seller really involved in picking things out and all of that. Uh, they can pay us back at closing. And then option three is what we call like our full package listing where we're uh, vendor management. We we have a professional cleaner come in, 4K video. You know all the normal things an agent would do, um, but we get a full fee for that. And I'm willing to like chop it up into a menu if the seller is very price specific on commission or I'm competing. I'll start removing like the cleaning and the, and the additional staging that we'll do 
and save like 1500 bucks that way on, on costs for me and start reducing, um, giving them a menu of options for reducing that fee. Steve, let me ask you something. So I'm, you've got, you understand inside sales, you understand outside sales, you're a market expert in Sacramento. Like, and I, I mean, I know you fairly well. Um, and so don't take this the wrong way. I'm, I'm very, you know, impressed by what you've done and, and what, sure. what, I, what I'm hearing from you, but in your, like, I would expect for you to be north of 300 closings a year at this point, based off where you are in your business, the number of years since you started it. Yeah. What do you, th- what I'm just, and this is totally unreal. I know this is the listing lead show. This is our first year. And this is more just a curiosity question. Like what's, what's prevented you, uh, Steve, from being able to hit that kind of growth trajectory? What do you feel like has been the biggest hurdle for you um, in growing the business? So, I mean, I would say, um, I would think at year seven, if I had started on my own and built up an organization and a database and seven years later, I, I probably would be at 300, but I had to start two and a half years ago from zero and and build the systems and the operations to support a sales team. And so, you know, I think I would be, well, most definitely I would be further ahead if I had the right people on the bus faster. But when you're, you know, you are the listing agent, you are the marketing person, and you're trying to also recruit to your team as well, it slows you down. So I am the reason why we're not at 300 because I can't, I can't remove myself and replace myself fast enough. And I chose not to focus on that more than I, I started chasing deals. Does that make sense? <laughs> Steven makes total sense. sense. So, so what, you, what I like you're saying? The, chasing listings better than going and finding people to go chase listings, you know? For people that are tuning into the show, my, um, my four-year-old Eva just walked in. And, super uh, cute. St- Steve, you have, you have two little girls, right? Steve? I, do, I have a second on the way in three weeks. Oh, congratulations, yeah. man. Three yes, weeks. Thank you. You having a boy or girl, a girl, second girl. Oh, you, hey, we're on the same <laughs> bus here, man. I love it, man. I love my, I do girl. too. My, awesome. I love my girls, man. The girls love their dads. I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. So three so weeks out here. So I'm hearing if what I'm here again, what I'm hearing you say is, if you could figure out how to solve the people part, essentially replacing yourself, you would scale faster. And that's been the biggest, you know, uh, roadblock to you uh, growing quicker. Yes. And I, and I would say that I, I wanted to, to prove concept first before I started adding agents to my team. Does that make sense? Like I didn't want to want to go start adding agents to a business that was brand new that had no systems and no operations at all and no marketing. So year one was about just proving that we can sell real estate and cleaning up the mess in the database and creating the processes. Year two was building up reserves and and proving the concept of the value propositions and honing in the mark uh, like the message to the market. Year three is is really our growth year, and we added four people to the bus in the fourth quarter last year, and then also post COVID in April. I doubled my marketing budget, you know, when everyone else was pulling funds and, and really saved there. So I would expect year three, our goal is 200 transactions, close to 2 million GCI, and we will hit that. We're on track for that this year already. 
That's man, incredible. I, I just want to tell you, like, I honestly, like, and I'm, and I'm saying this as a compliment, like, I, I know you well enough to say, I think your way, like, your way undercutting, you know, your, your goals and where you want to be. Like, I mean, I, there's no reason why you shouldn't be at three, four million in GCI at the end of this third year. And so it's just a coach coming out of me saying, mm-hmm. you know, don't, you know, you, you always hear Tony Robbins always says, um, you know, it's like, you know, don't reinvent the wheel, go find somebody that's, you know, in a, in a, in the position you want to be in and go model them closer. So um, specific to solving the, uh, the people part, go, you know, go work with somebody that's already figured out how do you scale in the people faster so you can, re, you know, take that hat off of being the listing agent or the team, you know, listing team lead or buyer team lead. How do you scale the people side to, you know, get the right people in place to, uh, you know, help you replace yourself and focus on the business versus in it mm-hmm. so that you can, you can grow faster. Cause I mean, dude, you've got all the pieces, you know, like you, you are part of a mega team like, you know, database, you know, past client marketing, you know how to convert people, you know how to train people. Like you're, you're, you're selling yourself short at 2 million. Like you should be doing double that. Yeah. So anyways, I just, you know, I'm just, as a friend, I'm just telling you, you need to get out there and figure out how to solve this people part. And there's a lot of people that have already solved this. So, you know, go seek and figure out how to, um, how to solve that. I'm reading, for anybody listening to the show, I'm reading this book right now, and I'm sure lots of people have heard of it. Um, it's it's called a Atomic Habits, and um, I don't know if any like, I don't know how many people are watching this on video, um, but um, you know there's this there's this page in the book where it uh, the author compares uh, people that generate habits through focusing on the outcome versus generate habits focusing on their identity like what do they have to change about themselves to get where they want to go and he he tells a story about this you know uh, person that wants to lose weight and his advice to her was you know ask yourself every day what would a healthy fit person do like all throughout the day keep asking yourself that right and so by asking yourself that question throughout the day, you start making the decisions in those moments of like when you're going to go eat or am I going to wake up and go to the gym? You start making the right decisions, those tiny little decisions throughout the day that help you end up getting the outcome. Because the outcome of, for example, if you want to build a team and sell four or 500 homes, like the outcome of that is from a series of tiny little decisions you make on a daily basis. So there's one last pillar. I want to go in to wrap us up here for the listing lead show. Four sources, Steve. Referrals and sphere. Seller nurtures from prospecting, cold calling. Uh, instant offer leads um, from internet leads for sellers yep. to get an offer on their home. The last one, and the scary one for a lot of people, is radio. You do some radio in Sacramento. So why don't you just give us a little insights on radio. If someone's been flirting with the idea of running radio ads, what would you recommend that's working well for you? Have lots of cash. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) And, you know, full disclosure, I was on a, um, you know, that team we're discussing um, was heavily into radio. So I knew, uh, I, I knew how it operated. I came up with the messaging for two, three years and was very well connected to it. So I trusted it already, you know, so I think that's a, 
that was like a key component of being willing to spend nine, 10,000 a month was that I trusted in the long run, just like nurtures that it's going to pay off. Like, it's just like any investment, like Warren Buffett says, right? Like, you know, is the only people who lose are the ones that pull and cut bait too fast, right? It's just like going to the gym and working out consistently. The results don't come right away. They come over time. These small decisions, like Chris said, uh, pay off over time. It's 10 contacts a day, not 10,000 contacts this year, right? So the key with the radio was I knew that it works. Um, what I didn't know is that there's another person in our market that heavily focuses on the radio. I didn't know if my results um, without that longevity and that track record would be, um, let's just say, as profitable. So, you know, I, I spent about a year studying which stations to advertise on. And COVID really pushed me to make the decision faster because right when in March, when I kind of figured out the sky wasn't falling, I think this goes back to, I think one key piece of advice I, I could give people who are listening to this is, you know, if you're on a team or not on a team, you need to run a great financial ship. Like you need to have 12 months of reserves in cash in the bank at all times. That might be um, probably a little aggressive. Some people might say six months, but when your team leader decides to change brokerages or something happens to you financially, um, you're not making a quick decision. You're left making a strategic decision at that point because you're not afraid that you're not going to have money. So I had the money to go and launch my own team. And when COVID came, I had plenty of money to invest in new lead gen levers that I was already going to invest in anyways. I just was able to buy in at a discount. But I think the key is you have to decide who's your target customer. And my target customer is, you know, over 50 people who are um, tend to be conservative uh, in political view, because those people tend to move out of state often, and they have money, which are homeowners. So I chose to go on conservative um, local talk show and, and crafted messaging. You know, some people have the guarantee sale. I just crafted messaging around our UVPs, which is options. And, and we can provide you options, unlike anyone else in our market. You should just call and find out if we'd be a good fit for you. And, and so- who are you competing with, Steve? Is it Tom Daves? Yeah, yeah, he's still on the radio. <laughs> so, are you are you two guys? Are you? That's got to be kind of a fun. I don't know how he thinks about it, but we're on different like, stations, so totally different. I didn't I didn't go you know head to head. That, I think that would have been a mistake, honestly. Um, and I have no one like um, consulting me on it, meaning like I don't negotiate through a. Um, you know, an ad advisor on Agency. that. Yeah. 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 So I, I went right to the radio station. I have a direct person there that helps manage up my campaigns. And then I come up with the messaging every month and, uh, and it's, you know, same. How's, it, how's it working? Uh, year one, we broke even. So uh, year one within, so we started in April and, you know, I closed, let's just call it close to a hundred thousand GCI by the end of December. We started closing deals literally right away. I started generating leads the first month we turned it on. Um, over the fourth quarter, it was much slower and I anticipated that. That's normal as you go into the fall. So, you know, the KPIs on it, I'm not as, as clear on, but I'd say we generate about, you know, if I averaged it, 10 to 15 leads a month and 50% of them convert. 
um, at least. So you're, so like this year, so that's roughly seven listings taken per month on average times 12 months. So 84 that was my goal. Yeah. My so goal was to get to a, like around 80, 80 signed listings, you know, at least 45 closed, you know, cause some of them will roll into 2022, right? Anything after October that I take will probably roll into 2022. How much are you spending per month on radio? <clears throat> um, just under 10, 10,000 a month. Yeah. And then it, you had to keep that, basically take a pile of cash and put it off to the side and be ready to let it burn up. And then um, wait until it started coming back around what month six? Is that when you started? Getting I, mean, I, st- I started getting paid. Well, because you have to get the listings up, right? But I signed. Yes, escrow. Yeah. yeah I, I signed listings within the first 60 days and then, um, you, you know, got paid back on, on all the spend in 2020 by December. I was paid back the whole, you know, 78,000 I spent. And then we bumped it up a little bit for this year. But I think this, this key that people need to take away is it's, it's, I don't even care if I got paid back that year, right? This is a long-term game for me. Chris, you said, how do I get, how do I get to 200 or 300? Those appointments don't need Steve to go on them, right? They don't even talk about Steve in the radio ads. They talk about Elevate Realty Group and their options. And so when those people call me, they say, can you send someone out to come and look at my house, right? So I, I then have a choice to go on that appointment or not. And then I can tell my agents, hey, I'm going to pay you 10% on this deal, not 60% or 50%, right? So if I can generate leads at scale, appointments set for the agent, I control my cost of sale. And I think that's what we're, that's why I grew slow. I could probably get to 300 adding a bunch of agents to the team to convert internet leads and their sphere. But my goal is generate an appointment setting machine so I can control my cost of sale and keep that, you know, somewhere around that 30% mark, um, like the MREA. I may not be able to do it, but my goal would be 80% of the agent's appointments come from the company, not the agent. Chris does it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've read your book 10 times, man. I'm following your footsteps. <laughs> Hey, you, you need to you need to DM me offline because you've said a few things, and I, I don't I don't want to like that go down this rabbit hole on the show. But <laughs> send, send send me a few send me a DM, and I don't know where I heard this quote, but it goes something like, "It's not the fear of what you don't know; it's the fear of what you know that's not so." Hmm. And you just said a couple things that you're very that you're very uh, sure of that. I do. I do not believe are so. Ah, so ooh, me, got it. I need to DM epi- that episode for sure. two. Send me a DM. <laughs> well, and, I have uh, to, especially when we're talking sure. about you know, if it's around radio and 10k a month, I want to know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure as people listen to the show going forward, we're going to get some really good nuggets on. It'll be a lot of the same pillar reoccurring themes, and as you listen, since the the, the scope of the podcast is so narrow, the listing lead show. That's all I want to talk about is uh, we want to talk about, Chris and I decided to talk about is getting listings. You'll find a lot of common principles and they'll be filtered through the um, the lens of myself, you know, 12 years in the industry. And Chris, by the way, why don't you just introduce yourself at the end of the podcast, Chris? <laughs> Dude, hey, Who for are you? People, that are, people, people that are watching this on video, the reason why I'm sitting in this chair is because I uh, have a herniated disc 
and I, I couldn't get out of bed this morning. <laughs> so I was crawling on the floor oh, to get out of bed. And so I'm, I'm going tomorrow to get one of those like cortisone shots. I don't know yeah. if anybody's ever been at the hospital when their wife is about to give a baby and they give them the epidural. They put this like eight inch needle in your back. So that's oh, what I'm yeah. going to do tomorrow. Oh man. Um, so I can walk. Oh. But anyways, that's why I'm like up in this. How many, uh, how many homes for the audience did you sell last year, Chris? So our, our Austin group um, closed just shy of a thousand. Um, it was like 920 something. And then if I include all my, um, franchise partners, we were a little over 5,000. Wow. I mean, incredible. I just, and the reason, and see like for, um, uh, for you, Steve, like, you know, I've now helped 15 people launch teams. Right. And like, mm. I've got, there's 12 people I have right now that like, you know, like we're all bred from the same cloth. Like, you know, like, like we're like, we're from the same freaking cloth i mean i don't know how else to put it mm-hmm. like um if we were sitting at a table people would be like man are y'all like cousins or some shit you're like you're <laughs> all the same and so anyways my point is is like every single one of these guys that i've i partnered with that have very similar um experiences and backgrounds as you steve you know was able in year one you know scale to 100 to 150 you know year two 250 to 300 year three uh 350 to 500 mm. in year three and so I, you know, like, I don't know all the, you know, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know what your numbers were, Steve, prior mm-hmm. to this podcast, but um, I just want to tell you, like, you're sell, you're way underselling yourself and not to mention, not to reference Tony Robbins again. I don't know if he's the one that said that or somebody else, but you know, that somebody, I think it's Tony Robbins. I went to his uh, event, Unleash the Power Within, and he has all these great analogies for things. And he said, you know, you're, when you hit the golf ball, uh, you know, you're, you're only two millimeters off from hitting a hole in one, if you can apply enough force to the ball, you're only two millimeters off on average to hit a hole in one. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of different little, you know, like impact zones in your business where you're just two millimeters off in each one, but it's the difference between you, like, I don't know, doing 200 deals this year and four to 500. Mm-hmm. Like they're all t- they're, like you're doing a lot of the right things, but there's a lot of little tiny tweaks that you know you've got off. I know we're going off topic here on the show, but anyways, um, dude, you've got all the makings to be somebody you know, you know, doing five, six, seven, eight hundred transactions. Um, so, anyways, don't sell yourself short. Thank you've you got for that. You got, yeah. you got I, it. I, that's I, I agree too. I agree too. Frank, Frank, and I like you know, Frank more so than me. I, I mean. Frank gets to see everybody in the industry, which is really cool. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet a, a lot of the people on the real trends top 100. I think I, I know all of them. Um, and, uh, dude, I mean, you're, you're going to be on that list. Um, it's not, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when that happens, yeah, you'll be takes. on that top hundred list. So anyways, um, Frank, I think a little, a uh, little nugget, just, I think maybe, I don't know, Frank, if you can help with this, but, what I, what I love about you, Frank, is you spend a lot of time in the, uh, in the marketing world outside of real estate. So you pull from some of the godfathers of marketing, like Dan Kennedy and mm-hmm. Bill, Bill Glazer and stuff. And so I think what would be great for the next show is for us to bring somebody on that is like a for, like one of the foremost experts at IP targeting and OTT. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be one of the, um, you know, growing trends to drill down client acquisition cost. Well, I'll tell you, I actually have a call with Cox Media this week for yeah. custom audiencing uh, television ads. 
cool. So you you could take a you could take a property list that Steve you're calling, maybe not circle prospecting, but drill it down to length of ownership, um, likely to sell list, whatever it is. Mm. And normally, you know, you'd call it, you'd direct mail it, but now you can take those addresses and um, send them over to a you know, cable company that runs you know, television, and they'll only run the ads just to those addresses. Is that not through a streaming platform? That's like actual cable cable. It depends um, upon the cable box. There's nuances depending upon certain things, but uh, uh, it's that type of use money. of precise. The other kind of, yeah. The So the Frank, I don't know if you've heard of these two, but um, I've been researching IP targeting solutions and there's a lot of people trying to sell IP targeting. And there's only two big players in the space that I found. One of them, I mean, it's a, it's this, this is all they do is IP targeting, and they uh, did over 250 million dollars in revenue last year with uh, their IP targeting solution. That's all they do, and it's mm. called Simplify. And Frank, I think we should get somebody from Simplify on the show. And then the other platform is called El Toro. and it is the only IP targeting solution in the world that is cookie free. So both of these platforms claim that they can take the latitude and longitude for a parcel and pinpoint the IP address to the router and then hit all of the devices within that house and then also hit all of the streaming options on their cable above their cable box OTT. Without having a cookie installed on, the, they don't have to go visit your website or something. Right. Or, yep. now, it's yep. El Toro and the other one's Simplify. Simplify is S-I-M-P-L i dot fi that's simplify they did 250 million dollars in revenue last year they're a juggernaut at this um, level you're de- spending a lot of money right i didn't mean to cut you off but i mean to get into that game you're you know that's that is 15, like 20 so that's a great question so to be able to use these platforms you, there's a minimum uh spend per month of 10 grand per okay month. so you're yeah yeah you're, you're also starting to get into like what they call dsps like demand side providers <laughs> It's a big online marketing stuff, but yeah. yeah that's, uh, you know, another, another interesting thing, Frank, would be us to maybe get like one of these subject matter experts with Oracle that's helping get all those layers of data that used to be provided on Facebook before Facebook got stripped of all of its data segments. Yeah. That'd be another like really hot, you know. Yeah, that would be um, Axiom. Get them on. Yeah, Axiom. Yeah, Axiom. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up, guys. That was a wonderful show. We promised people for our very first show to get right to the point without any BS of what are top agents doing that are actually in the market to get listings. And if you're listening to the show and you want to know what to do to get listings, you probably had some pretty solid uh, tips here from Steve. So I want to thank you all for watching. We'll be at the listleadshow.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and all the other podcast sites and listen to us interview and get the details of what does it take to get listings as things become more competitive in the lower inventory market with more competition to show a homeowner that you're the, they're the best option to help them sell their home. So Frank, you on clubhouse? Yeah. Are you on clubhouse buddy? <laughs> no, it requires a I asked cell him phone. this like a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I had, you I, it, I literally went and got a, I haven't had a cell phone for five or six years. I figured I even have a little iPhone holder I got for myself because I was nice. actually going to have a phone to do clubhouse right here. And then the phone just sitting in front of me gave me so much crippling anxiety. I still don't have an app around me. 
So I'm um, interesting thing. Okay. About clubhouse that I'm noticing right now, we're way off topic here. Yeah. But, um, so I got on clubhouse a couple weeks ago and like the first couple of days I was really excited about it. I was like, man, this is awesome. I'd walk into a room with a couple hundred people on it, get on the panel, start talking. And they're like, Holy shit. You know, they're like socks are blown off when I'm giving them all these little nuggets or whatever. And it was awesome. And you get the little ego stroke, you get followers and all that. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was like, and then like after like two weeks, I was like, dude, man, this is exhausting. Like super I exhausting. I don't have time to be going on this damn thing. Like I would walk into these rooms randomly and it's like the same people hosting rooms. And I'm like, dude, what, how are you selling any houses? Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, how are you hosting a room 24 seven? Like I, you know, and I like randomly would open up the app when I've got my like four-year-old going to bed next to me, like 10 o'clock or, you know, nine o'clock at night or whatever. And I'm like seeing the same people that were on there at five 30 in the morning when I was at the gym, like mm -hmm. on my phone, kind of curious who was on there, but, um, it's, you know, it is, it is really, the app is fascinating. Anybody that um, wants to uh, follow me, my, um, handle is I think at Chris waters and you guys can follow me, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to randomly get on there anymore. Like I'll host a room or something and be strategic about it. I think what we'll do, Chris, is we should look into doing clubhouse. We record the raw podcast. Versus yeah. when it's produced afterwards, we kind of interesting. Right, it's man, it's like it's um, I think what um is amazing about Clubhouse is if you have a business selling shit to realtors, like you should totally yeah. be on there. That's what I was saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Frank, I mean, it's a uh, I had to overcome my crippling. It's a self sales funnel all in its all in its own, man. You don't even Dude, need it's, a website. <laughs> Frank, you you definitely should be on there. Mm -hmm. What sucks though is is like, man, it's so emotionally draining. Like Frank, you're huh. a natural introvert, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so am I, and so am I. And so it's like mentally exhausting to be on Clubhouse. I mean, it's like such a mint. Chris, a, a me just suck. being around a cell phone is mentally exhausting. Well, that's what I was blown away by Frank. So it's, it's like, um, I don't drink and I haven't drank for God, nine years now. Yeah. There was and probably some moment where like, I need to stop this because this is bad. Exactly. And that's what I, and I had the same thing with my cell phone. So I can see, um, I could see that like, if I, I would love to have a beer, but the, uh, the anxiety of picking up that beer and that turning into more than one beer is worth, yeah. is enough anxiety to keep me away from it. So I can see why, why you would not want to pick up the cell phone. Nope. You know, what's yep. so frustrating, Frank, you know, what's even, even more frustrating is people go, go on clubhouse as like moderators and speakers on panels and they, you know, start talking about how, you know, they're focused on building a YouTube channel to build the real estate business. And then like, I I'll like go down the rabbit hole and I'll ask them, okay, how many deals did you close in the first year? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, yeah. And they said, and they'll go, well, I mean, I have 5,000 followers and I was on that year, actual room with you. <laughs> yeah. He I said, he said, I up closed. on my way to an appointment, a listening yeah, appointment actually I always he listen said, to Chris <laughs> Waters troll everybody on clubhouse. He said, he said, uh, I closed three deals and I'm like, okay, well, it was your first year. And I said, well, how many did you do the second year? I mean, you're up to 5,000 followers now. And he's like, well, I, Chris, I closed, you're being mean. I, this is mean. I yeah. think I was, oh, I think I closed you're 11 or 12 deals. I know my point. <laughs> but they're like, giving the, the wrong thing, advice. They're, like, don't, yeah. don't be, don't be giving people advice to go start a YouTube. Like, here's the thing, like social media is good. But like building a really, you know, great business as even a solo agent through social media takes a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying social media doesn't work, but it's like, 
you know, at the end of the day, you're working to make money. And there's a much faster way to make money than spending two years stroking your ego trying to get 5,000 subscribers on YouTube that resulted in 11 to 12 closings. Because instead of you allocating 10,000 hours on YouTube to get 5,000 subscribers and close 11 deals, you could have gone and done a couple of freaking open houses, you know, a couple other random things and got those 11 transactions for a fraction. Steve is a client of Vile Marketing. Have you ever told you to go build out your YouTube channel and get SEO leads from there? Um, no. No, <laughs> no. What I want to jump on, I want to piggyback on that, um, bringing it back to the listing lead show. I, I would say I was a gung ho on, on the clubhouse right away. I was like, man, this is great value, but it really is the same recycled people with the same recycled message and the same ego stroke. So anyone listening to this, that is at my level, let's just say 30 deals to a hundred deals. Like, uh, it's very important to focus on income generating activities. And I think all these people pitching that you can grow your business on social media and do like our, pre, you know, um, our home buyer seminars and clubhouse rooms to find buyers. Oh, I think God. it's total BS and it, it might sick. work. It, it would work if you have, um, if you already have influence, right? Like yeah. if, if you're a Chris Waters, Chris Waters can go and generate, you know, opportunity through those levers. But if you don't have that influence already, go out and knock some freaking doors and call some strangers because that's what's going to grow your business. And I, I, I just um, hope, I hope people don't Frank chase that that you know social media guru channel, man. Like it's it's all about ego. Frank, I'm really not trying to troll on Clubhouse. It's just <laughs> like I, I meet uh, you. I hear. I well, they have no idea who they're talking to when you're asking those questions, Chris. Well, I just, I hear them, you know, giving advice. And the thing is, is like, I know the trap that a lot of people fall in and it's the, it's the human, you know, component of the self-confirming bias, mm. which is you are a hundred percent committed that some tactical thing you're going to do from a lead generation or business building perspective is going to work. And you're so confident in it, you keep like telling people about it. And like, you don't actually know quite yet if it works. <laughs> you know who said so, that is, uh, is Ray Dalio. When he yes. published uh, Principles. Oh. Well, there's well, a smart guy. He built, his, yeah, he built his whole book. <laughs> I mean, if I, if I took one thing away from that whole book of Principles and Ray Dalio, one of the wealthiest men in the there world. There he is right there, right there. Is um, how do we know this is true? That's like the key questions. How do you know something is true? And that's and that's what pisses me off about Clubhouse is 99% of the shit I hear on Clubhouse is not true. Hmm. We'll make sure to put in the title of promoting the podcast on your thoughts on Clubhouse. <laughs> I do think it would I'll be valuable you. though if you did it a live room while you're recording the podcast. I do think that that yeah, could have some value. I like that idea. Yeah. Frank, I, so you know what's cool is I went into a um, I went into a clubhouse room. Come, I've been going into clubhouse rooms totally unrelated to real estate, and it's been awesome. I went into this um, room with Grant Cardone and a couple other speakers, mm -hmm. and they brought me on stage. There were like you know four or five thousand people in the room, and the title of the room was "Pitch Me Anything." And um, oh, wow, I've you know, and and so I um I went in there to pitch. You know, I, I, for anybody else in the show, um, I, I've invested personally, like I've, you know, bought shares of stock in a, um, in a uh, technology company. It's an integration platform called RealSync. So I, I gave them money, right. For exchange for shares of stock. And, you know, my uh, uh, opinion or the reason I did it was like, I personally needed it just like RealSync. Um, everyone is the Zapier of real estate apps. 
Yeah. And so it's a custom I'm, integration beyond, you know, you could yeah. integrate whatever you want, honestly. It's yeah. an amazing so system. I am I invested in it just to like, you know, I invest invested a substantial amount of money in it. So, anyways, like I'm not involved in the business. Like I'm not on sales calls. Like you're not gonna see me in any of that stuff. But like I am telling them all the time, like, hey, you need to go connect to viral. Hey, you need to go connect to this, you need to go connect to this. So um my my thing was I, I've never pitched real sync. Like I've never sold it, you know, like trying to sell a house or buy a house. And, um, I went into this room on clubhouse and pitched real sync and I got completely destroyed. It was like the most humbling experience of my life. Like all these, you know, people like Grant Cardone. I mean, there was also a famous actor. Um, I forgot what her name is. Like I couldn't believe she was on there. It's like this super famous actor, um, that's got kind of like an entrepreneurial thing going on. She's a comedian. Um, she's yeah. been in tons of movies. Anyways, like everybody had to rank my pitch from a one to 10 and I got absolutely destroyed. And it's, uh, you know, but for me that was like, it's a little bit sadistic, but I appreciate it. Cause like, damn, I need to work on this. I need to understand how to like articulate <laughs> this more, you know, in a better, in a better fashion. And, uh, that's where I see like massive value in it mm-hmm. is like, there's this, there's the, there is the uh, ability to get brutal feedback from people that are subject matter experts. And so again, to come full circle, the thing is, is like you, when you get into clubhouse, like you just got to be really careful. Like who is the subject matter expert you're listening to and is, and to Frank's point is what they're saying true per Ray yeah. Dahlia. Right. So. And I think, I think what's so nice about this is Chris is that we have so many connections over the years that we can actually go to people who really are selling lots of houses and uh, keep the podcast very narrow in scope, just getting listings. Um, it was funny as I was doing the research for the show, there just wasn't any podcast dedicated to that. To be honest with you, <laughs> they were either, they were very wide in scope of stories and whatnot. And I wanted to keep the show narrow to these topics. So I love it. Frank, said coming yeah. Frank, we need to, we need, there's a, a speaking of clubhouse. <laughs> there's a guy that I kept seeing plug into clubhouse and he is a beast. Um, he's a freaking beast. Um, his name is Terrence Murphy and I'm willing yeah. to bet a lot of people don't know who he is. I listened to your and, podcast um, with him. He's, he's awesome. Dude, Terrence Murphy is a freaking beast. Um, the guy's in a college station, a small market and his group absolutely crushes it. Um, he runs a, a huge brokerage and then he's also, you know, invest, he's got like a home building division, property management division. He's, he was a, um, collegiate athlete. Um, he got, he was like, a, uh, got drafted by the green Bay Packers out of AM. and, um, like, I mean, he was on his tra- He was on his way to being like a superstar, you know, NFL player. And he got injured uh, in his first, uh, his first season. When I interviewed him on the podcast, he, he was uh, roommates with, um, Aaron Rodgers. They both entered uh, green Bay at the same time and were roommates, uh, when they both, you know, went into their rookie year, at Green Bay. And um, so he got this debilitating injury where he never thought he'd be able to walk again. And, um, you know, he went into the uh, real estate industry in this really small town and just absolutely, I mean, murdered it. And he would be a great guy to get on the show um, because he does like, he doesn't do radio or direct mail. Like he doesn't do any of those things, but he does do a lot of other things that are really, really good. One of the things we're going to have on the website guys, um, because there's a form where you can submit somebody, maybe who, if you want to apply to be a guest, you know somebody, so we can reach out. And I like to get some good people on here and get in listings. You know who I would like to get on here, Frank, is Gary Keller. That's going to be our vision. 
I'll send him a FedEx. I actually, let me just say this. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have real pull with him, but I, um, you know, when Tom left KW, one of the main reasons I stayed was Gary flew me out to Austin, Texas. I got to sit with him for six hours and it was incredible in his office. And I made commitments to Gary. Um, you know, our first year, we we're going to close hundred units. Second year, we we're going to close 160. We fell short, but we hit our GCI goal in year three. I wanted to be in his top 100, right? That was the goal. So, um, I'll, I'll email him. I check in with him every two, about every two weeks. And he always, he always checks right back with me every time yeah. I report numbers to him every two weeks. Really? I, um, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he reads it. He, he emails me right back. Usually like, boom, like within hey, seconds, S- Steve, even amid all him. the KWX stuff that was going on. He, yeah. Wow. Steve, tell him, tell him the show is with me and Frank. And, um, I, I actually bought the house across the street from Gary killer. Really? Like literally, literally he pulls out of his driveway and there's <laughs> the front door. And, um, I, I, I tore the house down and, um, it's just a lot now, but, um, I've never met Gary killer in my life. Um, tore down the house. I'm surprised he hasn't oh called you to try. I'm to sure Gary killer's house is very nice. And you tore oh down a luxury dude. home across the street. No, 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 no. <laughs> if so, Gary's house is unbelievable. He basically owns the whole damn block. Hmm. And, um, this, this house that was literally across, like literally it's like right in front of his driveway. This house was the total biggest, like POS, like decrepit falling apart thing. I was, um, I was like, uh, I was at the house or I was at the house when it was being torn down and Gary's wife walked down the driveway to, to take the trash out. And, um, she was saying, yeah, we were thinking about, you know, buying and remodeling this, but it was such a disaster and we just didn't want to spend the time doing it. But this street that Gary lives on is absolutely, the people that live on this street is unbelievable. So next door to this lot is the guy that founded Yeti. Wow. The guy that lives to the left of this house is the 24 hour fitness guy. Hmm. Um, guess who, you know, our, we just mentioned Tim Heil. Tim Heil lives at the end of this street. <laughs> oh, well, man, Tim, all you guys. Tim, Tim's, li- Tim's building a house at the end of the street. Um, anyways, it's very coincidental. Like we, my group, I'm putting a spec house on there, but, um, anyways, point is, uh, tell him, Gary, tell, uh, if you email him, Steve, tell Gary, he should be on the show. I will um, absolutely try. You know, I, I, I will say that was the, one of the main reasons I decided to stay. At KW. So the I so speaking of Clubhouse again, I got on a Clubhouse and Glenn Stanford was on Clubhouse speaking. He's always uh, up in there. <laughs> I mean, that's it's 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 cool, right? I mean, I don't oh, know, very like, cool. I, I have to commend him for doing that. And then um, you know, it'd be man, you know who else would be another great guest? Uh Frank is Dave Linegar at Remax. Mm-hmm. That'd be another uh, great one to to get on. I think that's how Grant Cardone and Glenn even came into contact was through. Um, I just got an email to join somebody on Clubhouse on Thursday, February 11th. Oh my God. Yeah. Grant, Grant Cardone joined EXP. Did you know that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I think that relationship actually started in Clubhouse and they probably, <laughs> we can use Clubhouse to recruit a bunch yeah. of agents, you know? Yeah. But yep. all right. I saw I that post, yeah. All right, guys, everybody, this has been a great show. Great start, Frank. Thank Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, Steve. It was a real pleasure. Props to you, Steve, man. You're crushing it. I'm just, you got, you, your potential is so much higher. So, you know, dude, don't sell yourself short. Oh, I'll hit you up with a DM. I'm now curious on that. Should be at 300 things. So I'll reach out to you. 
Yeah, dude. Like you're, I think your yeah. goal, like you're, you're, you're short, like you should be doing a lot more and uh, just tiny little two millimeter shifts in a couple mm-hmm. different impact zones. So um, Got it. yeah. All right. Hey, you guys have a great, great night. Great, Thanks for the opportunity. Great first show guys. Yeah, great, that was awesome. Great first show. See ya. All right. Bye. Thanks, Frank. See you, Frank. Bye, everybody.